This episode is brought to you by our affiliate Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash Moontower to learn all about it. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moontower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph O'Bell, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Mason Arnold. Welcome, Mason. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks for being here. Uh, Mason, let's just kick off by maybe just having you introduce yourself to listeners and maybe talk a little bit about your background and, and some of the uh, the ventures you worked on in the past. Cool. Sounds good. I am a Austin native, uh, born and raised, so it's been fun watching the, the city change uh, over the years. I went to school here as well, UT, got a degree in chemical engineering. I've always had the entrepreneurial bug and, and the spirit in, you know, middle school. I had a candy empire with two employees helping me sell candy and was just always finding ways to, um, you know, do things and, and sell things. Uh, out of college, I got a job as an engineer and only lasted about, uh, six months there before I started my first company. And I was really starting to, at the, as an engineer, it was an environmental engineering firm here in Texas, and we were helping oil and chemical companies file permits. And I was seeing firsthand what was happening to the environment, and I started to research it more, and it really started to bother me, the chemical exposure, what was going into air, water, and uh, the land here in Texas. And two reports came across my desk, one that residential fertilizers were the number one pollutant to Texas waterways, and the state spends hundreds of millions of dollars trying to remediate all of the pollution from residential uh, fertilizing. And the second report was a long-term study that showed organic fertilizers were better in every sense that every, you know, aspect that they measured, short-term, long-term, greener lawn, everything was better about them. And so I asked myself, like, what, you know, what's going on here? And so I go to Home Depot and I'm like, I'm going to just look at these fertilizers. And there was a Scott's lawn guy there waiting to show me his chemical fertilizers and what they could do for my lawn. And I was like, well, what about those organic ones over there? And he's like, oh, they don't work. And so to me, it was like, it's a marketing issue. And so I immediately jumped out, started my first company, uh, organic, uh, lawn care and landscaping, um, grew that really fell in love with marketing and fell in love with sustainability. And wanted to um, get closer. Most people don't really uh, think about their lawn unless it's dying or they just moved and they need a, a new lawn care. Um, so I sold that company. I uh, did a couple of other th- things, but got really felt like food was at the core of um, helping push people towards sustainability. So the next uh, you know twenty years had been dedicated to food. I started a food distribution company called Greenling, helping local and organic farms distribute their foods uh, with home delivery. So we were a very early uh, grocery home delivery company. I grew that for 10 years and um, sold it, seeing Amazon and and Favor and all the the big dogs jumping into it. And I thought I'd give my try at a consumer product. Uh, Over the time, uh, uh, Greenling, I saw a lot of brands come and go. We were full service grocery home delivery. And I got really good at guessing which ones were going to make it and which ones weren't based on price point, brand attributes, all that. And so I thought I'd give it a try. And so I leaned on my engineering background, invented a machine to make zucchini noodles. 
and, you know, other vegetable noodles, butternut beets and, and other products like cauliflower rice and such and launched that company in 2015 after selling Greenling. That was a, a crazy rocket ship. We landed number three on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in the country. Um, grew that and, and ran that for, ran it for five years. I hired someone to, to run it and exited the uh, company last year and started to, you know, I've, I've learned that, that I'm a entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur through and through and that I was just going to keep starting, uh, companies. And, uh, but I always wanted to be a little bit different and, and try to help solve different problems all around sustainability. And, uh, my, the most recent venture, it's called The Conscious Pet. It came about, we launched a podcast last year called Mostly Green Life, uh, all about sustainability and trying to make it more fun and approachable. And one of our very early guests, we were just talking about at-home composting and, and what people, the options that people had in order to keep organic matter out of the trash because it's the largest by volume input into landfills. And it's a, the most obvious one that shouldn't go into landfills at all. Um, it can be very easily turned into different things. We had a compost company on the podcast and afterwards he took us out to his car and was like, look at the things I'm working on. I really don't think this, uh, you know, all this human grade, clean, perfectly in good shape food from restaurants and other food uh, companies. He's like, they're all going to the compost pile, but they should go to different things, better things. And the way I like to say it is like larger mouths, you know, bacteria has a really small mouth and breaks it down and all the way, you know, the, the gold standard would be figuring out how to feed that good food to humans. But one of the things that he was working on was a, a pet food and had some really uh, high quality ingredients coming from restaurants in really large quantities so that it could be the exact same recipe every time. And he was like, let's figure out how to make this into a dog food. And so we said, let's do it. And so we partnered up and did a deep dive into pets and pet nutrition, uh, which has been absolutely fascinating. And so we created a process that we think actually creates a higher nutrition product than, you, you know, 95% of what is out there on the market. And we're doing it using uh, what would have been food waste. We're rescuing, you know, clean, good food and converting it into dog food. And so it's been a, a lot of fun digging in. And one of the things that we wanted to do differently was we wanted this to be much more community oriented. And so we launched with this uh, WeFunder, a community fundraising round where anyone can invest as little as $100 and uh, and be a part of the company. And we felt like that was a um, you know, a, a better way to fund the company. We're also a public benefit corporation. We use compostable packaging. We're really trying to hit all the sustainability hot buttons with it. And we wanted the funding to be unique and not a venture fund with just the goal of growing and, and exiting. We want to help solve, um, the food waste challenge and, and make nutritious dog food and, and let everyone uh, benefit from that. Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. And I want to jump into uh, Conscious Pet in just a minute, but I want to step back for a second. Um, you mentioned some of the ventures that you worked on in the past. High level, can you just talk about some of the, the, the lessons you learned from that? Uh, some of the things that you saw that really worked and some of the things that didn't work? Yeah. You know, a lot of lessons uh, along the way from, a, you know, from an entrepreneur perspective, 
some of my really early lessons were to to find the the customer first. And a lot of people they like their own product. They say, "I I think you know people need this," but they haven't actually gone out and asked customers about it. And so that was an early lesson was like, make sure and go ask people and not fall in love with your own idea. And, you know, over time, I've, I've, I have a new idea just about every day of, of things to start. And I have a, you know, kind of a, a stress test that I do. And at this point, it's really easy to do uh, online surveys and such. And so I'll just throw ideas out and kind of see like on average, do people with a particular demographic either through Google or, or social ads, run a survey, you know, do people think this, they would actually buy this product, which is different than whether they think it's a cool idea. Um, so finding customer first, uh, uh, you know, over time, I feel like every company that I've launched the, um, you know, I've tried to get a better handle on financials before launch and make sure that the financials of the company work and they're not just something you know, down the road, we think this will be profitable, but that I have a clear path to understand how the company will make money. Because even though I'm focused on sustainability and making the world a better place, uh, you know, financial viability is part of uh, sustainability as a whole. Um, so that's been an important lesson. And then uh, for all my companies, the absolute, I think the most important thing in terms of growing the company is the people and who you bring on board. And I've always leaned a little bit more towards, um, you know, smart and want to learn and, and hardworking rather than particular experiences. And so, you know, get people on board who are really passionate about what's going on and that are, are willing to, to learn as they go and, and grow with the company. That's awesome. Th- thanks for sharing that. Um, back to Conscious Pet. So, um, when did you get started with this project? And you, you talk a little bit about um, the research pro- process of like learning about the nutrition in, in dog food and what's necessary and, and uh, you know, ca- kind of how you uh, formed the way you wanted to go with this. Yeah. So it's, it was about a year ago that we had the compost company on the podcast and then started tossing around ideas. Uh, you know, they were very busy with their compost business. So it it took a while for those conversations to really solidify. And I think it was last February, we all, or this February, we decided to to have a go at it. And uh, and I had already been doing, I, I felt like a deep dive. I love to, I think, you know, market research ahead of time is an extremely important part of any business. Understand the market, understand the dynamics in it who the players are. I talked to friends who were venture capitalists in the pet industry, people who had started pet companies, retailers who sold um, pet food to to really try to um, dig my hands in and, and understand uh, the market. And so as I dug into the pet food industry, there were you know a couple of really big trends going on. One is called the humanization of pets. Uh, the pandemic really accelerated that as more people work from home, they enjoy the company of their, their pets more. And there's a lot of, you know, younger people who are choosing whether to have kids or pets. And they, you know, they treat the pets as their, as their kids. And so that's a fascinating trend that has continued post pandemic. Uh, a lot of pandemic trends, you know, obviously want to have, uh, faded away quite a bit as we've emerged, but that one has uh, held true. And the other one is that, uh, you know, kibble 
which is this highly processed, cooked at huge temperatures multiple times. You know, one report said that by the time a, a bowl of kibble is poured into the dog bowl, it has been cooked at 500 degrees or more, more than four times. Like it's just, it's crazy what they do to it. And that's, a kibble is 80% of the market. And some recent studies have been released showing the the link between kibble and uh, cancers, which 50% of dogs will have cancer in their lifetime and other health issues. So there's a direct link with the majority of what uh, pets are eating and health issues. And so to me, those two trends together said, okay, the, you know, people are, are ready to spend more on a nutritious dog food and give them the best out there so that they can live a, a long and happy life. And so, um, so that became an important part of forming the company. I was like, we are going to do a gently cooked dehydrated process when the temperatures never go above 180 degrees to keep all the fat, fats intact, the medium chain triglycerides, everything in there intact and bioavailable for pets and as well as the amino acids. They get bound up into these different compounds when you cook them at really high temperature and so they're not available. And so I spent a lot of time and with some, you know, PhD veterinarians figuring out the, the recipes and, and what goes into it. And so we launched in July with a, you know, an extremely um, healthy product. We struggled with the form factor though, being a dehydrated, gently cooked, it was just crumbly all the time. So it's taken a while to really figure out how to get it into a form that is easy. It's shelf stable, can be in the pantry with the kibble, but it needs to be as easy to serve as kibble where you can just pour it in the bowl. And, and we finally reached that. Gotcha. And are there any of the, any companies doing something similar to what you're working on? Yeah. So in the, you know, dehydrated or gently cooked space, there are uh, several companies. One's called uh, Real Meat. Uh, the Honest Kitchen has a couple of uh, dehydrated uh, products. We're also grain free and legume uh, free where it's just animal protein and vegetables. Uh, you know, some grains are, are, you know, may not be controversial. Um, and they seem to be okay, but you know, some are not. And so some are you know, causing some of these health problems. So we just, we know that, that grain free is fine as long as it's also legume free because, uh, there's some been some controversy lately about. Um, heart conditions with dogs and grain-free products, but all of those, it looks like the science shows that they re- just replace the legu- the grains with legumes, pea protein and, and such that ends up causing, um, problems as well. So there's, uh, you know, there, there are some, you know, call it direct competitors in the marketplace. We've, you know, managed to come onto the market at a better price point than them. And we have the compostable packaging, which nobody has. Um, so, we, you know, we wanted to make sure, obviously, that we had a, a good product and that it was competitive as well. Gotcha. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with what kibble looks like, uh, but what does your dog food look like? Is it kind of similar? What's the texture like? Yeah, the what it's called is a soft, dry product. And the way um, we are creating it, it comes out kind of in ribbons that then breaks up a little bit into just these random, irregular um, shapes. And so it's much softer than kibble. So senior dogs or dogs with um, dental issues can eat it just fine. Uh, but it still has all, you know, the, the great nutrition of a dehydrated product. And then you have that zero waste packaging, fully compostable. Um, talk about that. How, how did you come up with that concept? And how does that, you know, how did, how did you get the materials to make that work? 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The entire pet food industry, the packaging, um, the majority of it is not even recyclable. It's, I mean, it has to go in the trash. And a lot of companies have done this for uh, shelf life reasons. And they're trying, they're trying to push the limit on shelf life. So these, a bunch of these companies, they have two year or more shelf lives and they need a bag that has, you know, absolutely zero moisture transfer and gas transfer and all this such. And, and you end up with a product that needs to be thrown away. Uh, you know, we have what we think is a, is a good shelf life. We think it's around nine months. Um, and so to go beyond that, you'd have to get real, um, wasteful with the packaging. And so the fully compostable packaging, we, we're the first dog food company in the country, I believe, to offer this in a food product, um, out on, on the market. And, you know, it's another kind of small startup who's figured out how to do, you know, fully. It's, um, we partner with a compost company that has verified this as backyard compostable. So you could just throw it in your backyard and it eventually turn into dirt. Um, the packaging would. And it allows us to still maintain a shelf life of, of nine months to a year. That's amazing. I also read that you have a, a process that's powered by like clean energy. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So we're doing renewable energy to power the production process. And, you know, right now it's a small uh, production, but as we grow, we will maintain that. How about the ingredients? Are, are you working with uh, local like restaurants or anything for, for that? Yeah. So restaurants and, uh, you know, some food manufacturer, um, plants. And so for the, uh, what is collected, it's, uh, back of the house. So it's the kitchen before anything's plated, before it's seasoned. So there's no, um, it's often, you know, single ingredients that the restaurant separates for us into a food safe container that we then pick up and bring to the facility and process uh, right away, usually same day, um, process those ingredients. Uh, we have uh, chicken and pork. We're working on some uh, beef sources right now and and playing around with that. And then, um, you know, it, there's a lot of fish flavors in dog food and there's not a ton of, you can't really, there's not a lot of in-restaurant processing of fish. So we've started, we've called around to, there are, you know, anytime you get a fish fillet in a restaurant, that fish was filleted somewhere and the rest of that fish is still, you know, highly nutritious um, to animals. And so we're trying to find sources for that. But we've also come up with the, found this interesting source where, um, you know, out in is in the plant is in Kentucky, but apparently the Asian carp is just decimating the Mississippi River and these other riverbeds and eating, you know, all of the vegetation and destroying the ecosystems. And so they're paying people to fish these Asian carp out of the rivers, and then they're processing them in Kentucky. And I'm like, now that's a sustainable fish right there, because we're actually trying to reduce invasive species. So, you know, we're keeping our, right now, the products are mostly from uh, restaurants, and we get a bunch of uh, vegetables from different, uh, you know, called juice operations and such uh, to mix in with it. But we do want to, we just want to put out the most sustainable, sustainability oriented pet food that we can. And so we know that, and sometimes that's going to look different than picking up from restaurants. So um, we're excited to continue down the path. Gotcha. Are some of those restaurants in Austin? Or are they kind of spread out? Oh, they're all in Austin right now. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so is your product already available on your website? Can folks can purchase that right now? Yep. Theconsciouspet.life. And uh, 
what kind of feedback are you getting from uh, your customers? I mean, people, the, the dogs are absolutely loving it. It's, uh, you know, hard to ask dogs questions, but we, we continually get videos sent to us of people like putting their kibble and then our food and the dog just, you know, absolutely devouring, uh, our food because it still has, you know, to the dog still has lots of wonderful smells, aromas, and then the flavors are still in there from the animal protein and, and the fats. So, uh, we're getting really amazing, uh, feedback early on. That's good. Um, I have two dogs and I'm definitely going to uh, purchase some of those. So to try awesome. it out and hopefully they'll like it. Um, talk a little bit more about the WeFunder campaign. You have that live now. Can you talk about uh, the terms of that and how long is is that going to be open for? Yeah, I was, uh, it, I was still, I think I was doing Greenlang when they, when the crowdfunding legislation was making it through and it was going to launch and I was really excited for it. I was always kind of bummed out that for, you know, community oriented businesses that you just, you had these requirements and that people who are using the service couldn't invest in the company. And so I've watched crowdfunding. My last company was uh, venture funded and, you know, was national um, scale. And, and so that made sense, but I've always wanted to do a community round. And there's a, our deal is unique. WeFunder has never done a deal exactly like this. What I wanted to do was make sure that the people got their money back on a more structured plan, but then had potential for equity upside and to make money down the road as the company grows. And so the way it's structured, it's a combination of revenue share and equity. And so people, we give 5% of company revenue to these investors until everyone earns their money back. And then at that point, the revenue share stops, but they still have equity in the company that can grow. And, you know, as we grow and, and turn into whatever in the future, either get, you know, dividends or sell, um, you know, to another organization that as passionate about sustainability as us and, and get an exit that way. And, uh, WeFunder makes it super easy. I mean, I think people can put their investment on a credit card if, if they want. Um, but you just sign that the documents are all standard on there. Everything has to go through WeFunder. So there's no, you know, there's no like side letters or we're not giving anyone else a, a special deal. Everyone gets, uh, the same deal. And our target w- is, uh, 350K. We've raised 200K of that so far. And so, there's a uh, 150 left and, and we think anyone who's interested, we'd love for people in Austin, but we also have um, nationwide shipping and we're working with three PLs to get product all over. So, um, you know, as of, as of now, almost anywhere in the U.S., you can get the product as well. Excellent. And when is that uh, timeframe closed for people to invest in through WeFunder? Yeah, the WeFunder deal closes on November 25th, I believe. So you got to get in before that. Gotcha. All right. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners about Conscious Pet or anything else you're working on? Um, I don't think so. I mean, that's the majority of, of what I'm working on right now. And, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, started a few companies and I'm I've obviously always uh, thinking about new ones and, and looking at, uh, and uh, different projects. Uh, the people I'm working with are passionate about this. My wife is in the company. She'll probably always be in the, in the dog food company because she's having so much uh, fun with it. Um, uh, but you know, people can, can look for new ideas for me probably coming soon. <laughs> Excellent. And any future plans you can talk about for conscious pet that are coming up? 
Yeah, so we started with just the food, and then we launched what's called a meal topper, and so it's a powder that you that people can sprinkle onto kibble to add some nutrition and flavor to their product because you know dehydrated, human grade um, ingredients. It is more expensive than kibble, and so if people want to stay or their you know their dogs on a special diet, you can still add some uh, flavor with the meal toppers, and then we just launched treats as well. And so we'll continue to expand our products as we, you know, are, are in the kitchen and, and making different, um, recipes. And then, you know, as we grow, if, if we get a lot of, uh, interest from elsewhere in the country, we would anticipate, uh, firing up new plants and regionally in different areas. We'd always want to keep it, you know, semi, um, regional and, and have that, that food circulating, uh, right in the economy where they are. Awesome. And final question for you is what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Mine has always been uh, Justine's. It's over on the east side. They've been open, I think maybe 10 or, or 15 years. And I always go to the bar. They have a record player, which just um, every, every time I go there, I take a picture of one of the records that's up because they uh, have amazing music. And I think it's a, just a great uh, ambiance and amazing food and wine. So uh, to me, that that's always been, there's been a lot of, you know, newer ones and like James Beard award winners that are all wonderful and, and taste great. But to me, nothing, nothing tops uh, steak frites from Justine's. It's like a French boulangerie. I, I don't know how to say that last word, but uh, it's a really amazing place. Great choice. Been there. Love it. Uh, that's awesome. I'll uh, make sure to put in the show notes, uh, the website for Conscious Pet and the link to the WeFunder campaign. Uh, Mason, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I wish you the best and I hope you have a great day. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. Yes, sir. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate, Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash Moontower to learn all about it. Thank you.